Across the Thames Valley. One more time. Across the Thames Valley. This, this is River Radio. Well, now for some pop music. Try this. Welcome to River Radio. This is the Politically Correct Show on River Radio on Wednesday, the 1st of September. My name is Wisdom DeCosta, and today we don't have the normal jingle because my... My actual things are not playing well, but maybe I can try and find it just for you. So here we go. One more time. No, that didn't work. So we'll go in without the jingle. Well, welcome to the show. Today we've got um, um, a number of people on the show. We've got James Aldridge, who's the local democracy reporter for for um, Bracknell and Wokingham. We've also got Sue Cooper, Councillor Sue Cooper, who is not only the leader of South Oxfordshire, but she is also um, the head of sustainability and um, issues such as biodiversity renewal, I think is what is the way they call it. But first, we're going to start with Councillor Sue Cooper. Now, Councillor Sue Cooper is from the South Oxford District Council, and she's been, we were talking to her about Afghanistan and the terrible situation that's going on there and just trying to understand how is the UK government going to take in 20,000 refugees over the next few years? What help is available? And, and also, how can you actually help? How can you join in to help in the, in the process of actually giving these people a new home, bringing them into the country, assimilating them and having a stronger, more vibrant um, country? Here's Sue. We're speaking now to Councillor Sue Cooper, who is the leader for South Oxfordshire District Council and also the cabinet member for climate change and nature recovery. Sue, that's quite a title. Yes, it is, isn't it? Um, Well, this really has come out of our corporate plan. We've got uh, a number of different issues being addressed in the corporate plan. And when we put it out to consultation, the, the top agenda item was nature recovery and then we had openness and transparency and the third one down was climate change now to me climate change pervades everything we do uh we've got to change our behavior to take account of of the climate much more going ahead than we have done in the past so i as i say i think it covers all areas of council work and so it sits very well with being the leader Sue, I really look forward to talking with you in future shows about climate change. And I do hope that other council leaders will take note that as a key person within the organisation, you're putting climate change as the key issue. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. So we're here to talk about refugees from Afghanistan. Now, clearly, the government is committed to taking on board 20,000 refugees over the next four or five years. What support is the government making available to councils to help there? Well, we we very much hope that the government will pay for things, basically, because um, as it's well known, this area of the country, housing is very expensive. It's also in short supply, particularly affordable housing. So we don't want to take away housing from people locally who need it. But we can arrange for private rented accommodation, which the government should pay for. And are they also helping with language lessons and with other aspects of um, integration into society? Well, that is why within Oxfordshire, the district councils, who will probably look after the housing side of things, are working very closely with the county council, who will be responsible for 
providing education places. And the government have mentioned that they will be paying for these extra places. Uh, there are many other services that will be needed. Um, you know, things like English lessons, uh, obviously access to healthcare, and, and, and we generally want to make these people feel very much at home and be able to integrate well with, with the local people who are already here. Okay. Now, where are the refugees at the moment? I assume that the exodus and the evacuation is complete now, but I could be wrong. Where are the refugees being housed at the moment? Well, the ones who've actually arrived in the country are in quarantine. And there are a number of hotels which have been engaged around the country, including one in Oxfordshire. And um, there are a number of adults and quite a lot of children uh, waiting in the hotels until their quarantine period is up. Okay. Now, once the quarantine is complete, what work is South Oxfordshire doing to facilitate and take on board some of these refugees? Well, as I said, we're, we're working together with, with other um, organisations, the county and the health authority and such like. We haven't actually been told how many families we're expected to house or, or indeed, um, how, you know, where, where they will be at the moment. So we're, we're still waiting to hear and we're, we're very, you know, willing to help where we can. We've, we've actually got, we do know from the first tranche of people, um, the translators, interpreters who were allocated places um, a couple of weeks ago. We know we are having one family in South Oxfordshire and indeed there will be one in the Vale of Whitehorse next to us as well because our officers work across both councils. Okay, I'm interested that you said, you, you. it sounds, sorry, let me say that again. So it sounds as if you were being given or being told how many refugees you'll take on board who's telling you that is it not a voluntary situation well we have to offer to take some um and and then somebody has to say right will you will you take this lot please <laughs> um so we don't yet know who we're having okay but how many have you offered places to we haven't come up with a number. We, we're waiting to... We, we sort of assume that the people who are in hotels are locally will want to be housed roughly within the area. And it might be that people in Cherwell District Council have got uh, better accommodation available than we have here. That's why we want to um, wait and see. I mean, is it a family of six, four, eight? We just don't know at the moment. Okay, but you are willing to help this, with all of these refugees? We are willing to try and help where we can. What we do need is some large um, accommodation suitable for whatever size family we are allocated, um, and a, a, a generous landlord, if you like, who'd be willing to accommodate people for probably at least two years uh, so that they can get well established within the country. And if you've got children at school, you don't want to them to have to chop and change. Um, so we would like to make the, the, our, our, our new residents, you know, really welcome and give them time to embed themselves in our local society. That's fascinating that you ask for landlords. So there are people who can help. Some of them will be landlords, some of them will be residents, some of them will be businesses. What sort of help would you like? And how would they contact you to offer that help? The, the easiest thing to, 
to give is money. It's obviously much more flexible because then it can be used to buy what is needed, where it's needed, when it's needed. Um, there, there are two organisations that operate in this area. Um, those living near the Reading side, there's a, an organisation called Care for Calais, who are used to dealing with refugees, not just from Afghanistan, but from elsewhere. And, with it, and in Oxford, uh, there's an organisation called Asylum Welcome. And they, both those organisations are geared up and ready and, and know how to help people like that, that will need the help. So they will receive donations of money. What about clothes or equipment, property? Um, clothes and equipment, not at the moment. The trouble is finding somewhere to put it and it may not be in the right place and it may not be what is wanted. I think Oxfordshire County Council did start receiving things, but they haven't got anywhere to put any more, so they've, that's come to a halt for the time being. I mean, I'm not to say that it, things won't be needed in future, but certainly not at this moment in time. Thank you very much. So money is much more flexible. In, in terms of accommodation, as I say, we, we want landlords who are willing to commit larger properties, preferably, um, for a reasonable length of time. And they will get it should be guaranteed payment from the government. Uh, it may not be as high as they get on the open market, but it, it should be, um, you know, fairly reliable once it's in place. Okay. And a final question, Sue, is what do you expect? What do you hope for for the refugees? What will you be trying to take them towards as a journey? Well, and you know, a good life in this country. Um, let us hope they can, you know, um, make feel at home in wherever they are uh, living. And their children will be assimilated into the local schools and they can participate in the social life. We have actually got um, a reasonable size Afghan uh, population in Oxford, so they won't be totally on their own. And um, certainly the two families we are, certainly we know we are getting so far, um, I've asked that they be housed not too far apart so that they can provide some sort of mutual support for each other, particularly initially until they've made friends elsewhere in the community. I suppose the absolute in terms of assimilation is for them to get jobs, to take an active role in the community and maybe in the future have Afghan or former Afghanistan councillors at South Oxfordshire. You never know. That might be uh, something to look forward to. We certainly welcome diversity within our council. Brilliant. Thank you. Councillor Sue Cooper, we look forward to talking to you about climate change and biodiversity on a future show. Well done for all the things that you and South Oxfordshire are doing to help with the refugee situation. And we look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you, Councillor Sue Cooper. Thank you. There you go. That was Councillor Sue Cooper, leader of the South Oxfordshire District Council. And remember, we've all been appalled uh, by what's going on in, Af in Afghanistan and the fearful for many of the people who want peace they want freedom but they're not going to get it in fact they're going to get the end of a gun both ends in many many cases so the people we're coming into this country we welcome you with open arms uh, we want you to come and join us and uh, help us learn about your culture but also for you to take part in british society and british culture we have a lot to offer each other remember the best thing to do is not give clothes but to give money and those two charities if you're in reading care for calais and if you're in oxford asylum welfare and if you want to know anything more uh, contact councillor sue cooper at south oxford district council and a special plea if you're a landlord and you've got a large property and you're willing 
obviously backed by by the government and the council, to offer that to a refugee for at least two years to give them some stability. Again, you can email me, wisdom at river.radio, or you can get straight in touch with Sue Cooper, Councillor Sue Cooper, at South Oxfordshire District Council. Right, we're going to take a quick break now. We're going to listen to uh, In Excess Need You Tonight, and that's a special song, a favourite song of our next guest, which is James Aldridge, local democracy reporter for Wokingham and Bracknell. Enjoy. in excess with uh, Need You, one of um, James Aldridge's favourite songs. James, welcome to the show. Yes, pleasure to be here, Wisdom. So James, you're the local democracy reporter for Bracknell and Wokingham, is that correct? That's right, so covering Bracknell Forest and Wokingham Borough. 
Okay. Now, you, this is River Radio. Sorry, I should have said this is River Radio, and you've been listening to Wisdom de Costa. And initially, Sue Cooper, Counter Sue Cooper, who was talking about the refugee situation. And of course, you can always listen again or pick us up on Apple Podcasts. James, what are your thoughts about what Sue was saying there? Well, uh, with um, I mean, the, the issue that she raised about families taking people in, I wonder how long that period will be if if uh, a family is uh, to have the generosity to take uh, some Afghan refugees in i mean how how long um how long are they talking here um that that's 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 one thing um the other thing is in in my area uh two families uh will be rehomed in Bracknell Forest as part of an earlier earlier resettlement scheme called the Afghan Locally Employed Staff Scheme, the LES scheme, which rehomes Afghanis who worked for the last for the UK, um, worked for the UK forces um, alongside uh, British operations um, in Afghanistan for the last 20 years. Uh, but but that is not part of the most recent um, Afghani uh, resettlement schemes which have uh, been made available. Uh, so so Brownell Forest Council have acted rather quickly to say, yeah, we are willing to um, assist Afghanis who have um, assisted uh, British forces in operations in Afghanistan. Uh, how, and uh, Wokim Borough has not... Uh, Kind of confirmed how many they'll be taking in yet, but they have encouraged people to donate clothing to the Cowshed charity, which I will um, give the, the clothing to the people who are most in need, and also donate money to the Re- Reading Refugee Support Group, which has launched an uh, Afghan crisis appeal. Uh, so that that's um, my two areas uh, taking okay. on the um, Af- Afghan yeah. uh, resettlement scheme. But there are a few councils who haven't come forward to say they'll take refugees uh, because they're, they're dealing with their own their own concerns. Yeah. I think there's no reason for any of the councils not to come forward because much of this is going to be subsidised by the government who are going to be providing money for accommodation, which has to be provided locally. And, of course, money and support in relation to education and healthcare. So I can't see why a local authority wouldn't want to help. I mean, there are there, the, there's probably concerns uh, regarding uh, potential um, terrorism and potential crime. That might be a potential concern uh, for some councils, but that is a, a national issue. Um, and I think, in my opinion, it would be important uh, for there to be strong checks on the people who will be coming here. Um, I think uh, there's a, there's a great deal of consensus on uh, allowing um, Afghan people who have assisted British forces um, over the last 20 years to come over and house their families and also a great deal of consensus uh, for genuine refugees and um, women and children who stand to lose um, human rights that they may have gained uh, during the the occupation uh, so so yeah it's um there's 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 two sides to this issue um, but certainly the the uh, humanitarian one would be to uh, to come forward and, and offer support and uh, yeah Brownell Forest Council uh, appears to have done that with the LES scheme um, and Wokenborough has uh, suggested ways in which people can help. Now, it, the, the terrorist issue seems a bit, I don't know, it seems a bit far-fetched because these are people we're going to be vetting, we're going to be checking. The government scheme actually talks specifically about um, women and children and those people who, you know, people who are in a vulnerable category. So I would have thought that's a big issue um, for the government to deal with and they are dealing with it. So why wouldn't you take on board 
refugees. It just for me, it just seems a bit odd, uh, especially as I said, there as there is a lot of um, heart and a lot of deep roots amongst the people who are saying, yeah, we want we want to help because we we're seeing the terrible plight that people are in. Yeah, I suppose um, maybe there should be a public consultation on it. I'm not sure. Uh, but I mean, it, it, it varies uh, from area to area, but certainly my areas have been to a degree forthcoming. Um, but then um, Woking Borough Council, I know, has faced criticism for not committing uh, to a certain number. Um, and uh, maybe there are probably people in uh, Brandon Forest who believe that um, the uh, that council can take in more. But again, it's important to stress that the most recent scheme that's been in- introduced is in its embryonic stages. I don't know how quickly these things move, if I'm being perfectly honest. Yep. Uh, but but Brownell Forest has been good in um, in sort of committing to uh, the LES scheme um, right away in response to uh, the crisis that's going on in Afghanistan at the moment. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're right. I mean, Council Cooper did say that there were a couple of schemes at the very least and the government will bring more on board. Uh, but we need to take them on board. I think we need to sort of just say, yes, we're willing, we're willing and um, work with the government on that. James, mm-hmm. let, let's move on. So you're here not to talk about the Afghanistan refugees, but really another issue that, that seems to be brewing up and has been brewing up down in Lower Early at Swallows Meadow. Tell us more about the situation there where residents are literally up in arms and spitting nails, really. In November, in November, that was the case. So what's gone on is there's a plan for a little super, supermarket and 43 homes in um, uh, on, on land off Meldruth Way in Lower Raleigh, which is uh, one of the Reading suburbs. I like to call it part of the Reading um, Reading in an urban area, but it falls within Woking and Borough. Now, Lower Early, uh, th- this area in Lower Early is affectionately known by some neighbours as Swallows Meadow, um, and um, and they feel that it's an area of uh, natural beauty uh, and an area with uh, with natural interest. Um, there'd be badger badger sets and um, and, and and birds in that area. Uh, the neighbours have raised, raised concerns about. And what happened in November was contractors came and did a bit of preparation work. Um, in Swallows Meadow, so preempting a planning application and preempting a successful planning application. So that's that that happened in November, and yeah, like you said, uh, neighbours were up in arms, and people are committed, uh, so, committed on that. So you're actually saying that they turned up. It's a meadow which actually has got a lot of woodland on it, a lot of other areas of natural biodiversity. I wouldn't call it pristine, but it was pretty pretty beautiful. And they just turned up and just started hacking down trees. I imagine, I imagine they had legal sanctions to do that, uh, that that work. But obviously, for neighbours, it was quite concerning. Well, to say the least. I mean, people people were angry about it, um, and uh, and and it continues. The Wokingham Liberal Democrats, uh, in particular, are quite forceful against this um, this this proposal for forty three homes in the Liddle. Uh, one of the members of Wokingham Borough's Planning Committee, Councillor Andrew Micklebur who is a Liberal Democrat councillor and the councillor for that area, um, has effectively recused himself uh, from any decisions on that plan um, because he, he feels so strongly about it. So what he's um, done, and, sorry, can you just, just to clarify for, for listeners, so what you're saying he's done is that he's on the planning panel which would normally decide on a planning application and he's saying, I'm so upset about this, I'm going to not make that decision, I'm going to take off, get off the panel, possibly because he might be forced to agree to it. 
Well, not necessarily that he'd be forced to agree with it. Um, the the administration in Woking Borough is conservative, isn't he? He's a Liberal Democrat. What he said is that it, he 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 feels they'd be too biased. So it's a very noble thing that he's done to say, um, I I I am against this. Um, I'll probably always be against this. He's on early town council as well, uh, and the the planning committee for that um, town council. And uh, yeah, he he said that um, I won't be involved in the decision making process in this case because I've already spoken out of it, and that that's something that's quite uniform across all um, all councils with decision making power. That if a councillor feels uh, so strongly about um, a certain thing um, and have, has voiced it already, then um, then they recuse themselves and they they um, step back from the decision making process and and others um, step in. Basically, that that. That's how things work. Now, if you were a resident, you're saying, well, hold on a second. This is a guy who done wants what we want. So why shouldn't he stay on the panel? Why shouldn't he make the decision to vote against it? What's stopping that? What's the problem there? I think there's probably a feeling that there might be a danger that if there's a uh, appeal, if the developers uh, choose to appeal and um, the sort of winning vote is from uh, this particular councillor, they could say, Look, this this um, planning committee is biased from the start. They're against um, they're against what we want to do. They're against our plan, um, and 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 uh, they may win an appeal from the government's planning inspectorate on that basis. So it's a ward off against the potential appeal. Um, okay. and, and yeah, I mean, appeal appeals granted, appeals are refused. Um, there, there might be a bit of risk there, and that's yep. why the council is probably taking the decision to okay. step back um, on this occasion. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's a very wise decision uh, for him to step back because I thought what they potentially risk, as you say, if he's so against it and he can't see past past that, um, what might you might call a prejudice. If he, I'm not saying he is prejudiced um, mm. politically, but he might want to say no to it. And as you rightly say, if that then um, goes through, or rather, it's rejected, and the applicant goes to appeal judicial review that costs tens of thousands of pounds and they would probably win the review so all of the councillors um actions would have been for nothing so yeah i think it's something that residents do absolutely need to understand so does it sound reading between the lines as if based on the current planning regulations at wokingham that this is likely to go through it's difficult uh, it's difficult. Uh, there are Lib Dems on the uh, planning committee. Um, it probably, I mean, it's 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 so difficult to judge. Um, it's a mix, and uh, there are um, there there is a strong debate there. Uh, so when the developers who are lower early properties, um, who are a subsidiary of a wider company called Johnson's Properties, when they did a survey of neighbours' opinions. Uh, they managed to gather 662 messages of support, uh, particularly for the proposed new Lidl, um, because that that is uh, to some residents attractive, and they received uh, 117 um, objections. However, when a sim, uh, a, a sort of Facebook unscientific uh, Facebook survey conducted by residents um, was conducted, uh, 518 people said no, they didn't want a new Lidl, and um, 150 people said yes they do want a new little bill on there so there's a there's quite a lot of um enmity it seems between the neighbors who are really against the plan and uh, and the developers themselves it's it's very hard to judge um i suppose in in the developers defense 
for the 43 new homes, 40% of which will be affordable, which is compliant with Working Borough Council's uh, regulations for affordable housing. And um, and and there is the attraction of the new little there, but it's there's 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 two sides to this issue, Absolutely. and we'll have to see uh, which one wins out. I I can't really lead, read the tea leaves on this one. Okay. Um, to be honest, I just spoke to Dave. I know Allen. the Wokeham Liberal Democrats um, for the most part. Um, I I feel definitely the ones from earlier against it, and that's why the councillor has recused himself. Don't know what the conservative position are on it. Um, I think other people are keeping quiet so they can actually be there to mm. make the decision. Now, I just spoke to um, Dave Allen, Communications and Engagement Marketing Manager at Working Borough Council, and he said that, well, Swallow Cement is a live planning application as such. He can't comment on it as the planning mm. process needs to continue without prejudice. But he did actually say in terms of how our local plan will be updated. So there is a local plan which sets out the regulations which will apply as you know which will be applied to decide whether or not to allow swallows meadows to be developed he said that they continue to evolve and to deal with the climate emergency and biodiversity and they will be consulting and engaging with residents later this year on the plan and that would welcome the opportunity to discuss those issues then so it sounds as if the plan doesn't really deal with issues of biodiversity and perhaps even climate change because obviously if there are trees there lots of trees growing then they would uh, absorb carbon it sounds as if it's not quite up to scratch compared to what people would want. Uh, I mean that that is a point, and there was um, there was consternation about the um, the so called deforestation that occurred on the site uh, when um, back in uh, November last year. Uh, it's um, it's 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 a difficult one because we don't know. We'd have to see when laws were imposed and when the climate emergency was announced and when this. Uh, plan was submitted. I mean, this plan was submitted this May, so I don't know whether it's expected that um, that it has to take the climate emergency into into account. There are there are plans, I believe, for solar panels on the um, on the land, uh, but the other the other factor is that early town council have uh, recommended refusal, so they're the um, they're a statutory consultee. They have no control over the plan as such, but they can make a recommendation and they've recommended refusal. So that, to a degree, answers your sort of previous question about um, can we predict it be approved or refused? That, to a degree, implies that it could be refused based on the consultee, but I can't really give much uh, mm. guidance on on uh, the the local planning and then how the okay. local planning is evolving as a, a living and breathing document. But what what I will say is, it uh, early and no early, as far as I'm aware, is not part of the um, Wotim's local plan, which is not one of the major development areas. There are four major development areas in uh, the uh, the Wotim uh, Borough Council local plan. And um, Lower Early isn't in it. So are you saying that if they could stall this, then perhaps in the future it wouldn't be allowed? Silence. <laughs> Don't answer that question. Uh, I've got another question in for my, you. In, yeah, I mean, I mean, potentially if if the if the if rules change um, and policy frameworks change, then there's the potential that it, that it could be at risk. But I think I think the de- developer may want to. Um, I, I think they have uh, said that, that there'll be solar panels and electric char- charging points. Um, Is that going to be enough to replace hundreds of years worth of growth of oak and other trees um, to uproot? Trees, animals, grass. Is that, is that really going to be covering that, or is it just really a, a sop? 
<laughs> well, well, I mean, I mean, it's at the end of the day, it probably is up for the decision makers to decide. Okay. I mean, the uh, developers have said they are uh, proposing new electrical vehicle charging points and almost 150 new trays and additional landscaping on the site. But um, but whether that's enough to implicate um, what's been lost uh, is is an, is another matter, and um, it probably would be worth digging into um, the uh, boricultural assessment, see how many uh, trees have been cut down, um, and um, and and whether there's a like for like replacement there. But it's it's hard to say whether there will be, uh, because because obviously the 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 space will be taken up by a little by. The parking for the new level and the 43 homes um yeah. so so I, I don't know whether there'll be a biodiversity net gain which is what um is is, is the term that's used a lot in planning mm. um i it's dubious to see whether whether okay. there will be or not great james thank you very much for joining us and we look forward to you joining us in future shows uh, after the break we're right. going to look at a song which is elton john durban deep we're going to be listening to andy call from the hollyport resident association now hollyport have been through the whole process of actually the the borough local plan in rbwm which is at a much more final stage so they've set a plan they're almost home and dry almost ready to to, to start using it for uh, planning regulations but working at a much earlier stage maybe we could uh, if residents think they could stall the swallows meadows or even if they could uh, get some input with the working in plan maybe things will look brighter in the future james thank you very much for joining us much obliged it's been a pleasure Perfect. Thank you.
Oder. 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 Sorry if you're really enjoying Durban Deep by Elton John to cut that short with John Burkrow and his order, order. Well, this is Liver, River Radio, not Liver Radio, River Radio. And this is a politically correct show. My name is Wisdom Costa, And we've been listening to James Aldridge, who was just talking about the issues faced in people in Lower Early and the development of a new little and 43 houses on a beautiful piece of land called Swallows Meadows. So we hear more about that in, in, in years to come. But the key thing here is that... Residents are up in arms and they want to know how or what they can do about it. One of the key issues is that this is going to be decided based on planning regulations that exist today, which is why one of the councillors, Councillor Mickelberg, has actually recused himself from sitting on the planning panel. So let's talk about these plan, uh, local plans and how they're shaped and how you can get involved with actually shaping the future, the future of your area. You can help shape the vision for your area, what's going to be developed, what's not going to be developed, whether you want more biodiversity, more green space, whether you want more trees, carbon sinks, more play areas. Uh, how do you want the houses to look? You can actually get involved with what's going on in Wokingham right now because they're going to be going to consultation, as we heard earlier on in the show. So earlier on, I got caught up with Andrew Cormie from the Hollyport Residents Association, who have been objecting to Windsor and Maidenhead's local plan and also giving you some advice, giving you residents some advice about what you can do. Here's Andrew. We're speaking to Andrew Cormie, who's a president of the uh, Hollyport Residents Association and a former mechanical engineer. Andrew, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks. Thanks for having me. Now, I've noticed that you've put in an objection or you're about to put in an objection to a thing called a local plan, the borough local plan, as it's called in the Royal Borough, Windsor and Maidenhead. Before we start, what is a local plan? Well, the local plan is something that most uh, boroughs uh, should have in place because uh, it uh, enables them to decide for the fu- for some years into the future where uh, houses will be allowed to be built and various other things. And once they get that established, it can help to stop uh, developers trying to build on places where the borough doesn't want them to build. Uh, But one of the important things about such a plan is that the residents have a chance to comment on it, to maybe stop, to try to stop building in areas that the residents feel are not appropriate or to agree with the borough if, in some places if they're if the residents are happy that those places would be built on and another important thing about local plans is it can help to protect the green belt to make sure that the areas of the green belt are not built on um, anyway that's uh, basically okay. it so far <laughs> What the sound mean? Sound, right. Sound uh, <laughs> is nothing to do with the, the sound of the plan <laughs> in a noise way. It's uh, whether this whether the plan is uh, agreeable to the government, whether the government's uh, inspector considers that uh, what the borough is offering in terms of housing numbers and 
other related aspects, whether these are all agreeable to government. If, if they are agreeable to government, then it's a sound plan. <laughs> Is there a set process? To- yes, the, the planning inspectorate has a, a guidance document that describes in great detail what process, the process that has to be gone through. And the stage that the borough is at at the moment is that the planning inspector, its inspector, has uh, consulted with the the borough, reviewed the plan, and uh, made suggestions about what modifications are necessary to the plan. And those modifications are all listed on the borough website. And at this stage, the borough invites residents or anyone who is a valid uh, contributor to uh, comment on those main modifications. The borough is claiming that we can only comment on the main modifications. However, there are some of us, such as myself and, for instance, the Bray Parish Council, and we think that we can comment on other areas of the plan if we think that they are not sound. Now, I understand that when he was the minister, Sajid Javid actually wrote to you and gave you some advice about what you could comment on. That's right. Um, <clears throat> that was at an earlier stage of the development of the plan, but, uh, at stage 19, or uh, I don't know why they had this word, this number 19, but there's a particular stage of the plan when, again, residents were asked to comment and uh, the borough was trying to limit the areas upon which we could comment. And now again, many of us felt that this was not right and that other we should be allowed to comment on other areas within the plan. So I wrote a letter to my MP, Theresa May, to ask her to ask the, the, the Minister for Environment and Local, whatever, I've forgotten its name. <laughs> But anyway, he was, uh, Sajid Javid was the man in in charge at that time. And he did send a letter back through Theresa May. And he told us that he was able to clarify that there was was actually no limitation at that stage, the second stage, Regulation 19, as to what topics of the plan we could comment on. He said that it might be necessary to make the same comment at multiple points in plan preparation if it was felt that the points raised had not been addressed. So we used that to to help us to make more appropriate comments to the borough. So it sounds as if the local plan, when it's being devised, input is required from residents. Residents are empowered, according to Sajid Javid, to actually make comments almost at any stage on almost any area that the plan covers. Yes, well, that's what, <clears throat> that's what he told us at the time. I felt that I should uh, ask again about that now, now that we've moved on to a, a later stage. So I have, I've also asked uh, Theresa May to put the same question to the current head of that uh, Department of Government, but so far I've not had a reply. So, Theresa May, if you're listening, and if you're the head of the MHCLG, please get back to Mr. Cromie. What are your objections to the current local plan? Well, the main thing that we are concerned about in the area of Bray or Hollyport is that the local plan includes three areas 
on the A308 where houses are expected to be built or are going to be allowed to be built. One of them is next to the, the Thames Hospice, uh, which was built fairly recently, and the 100 houses are proposed there. And then there are another two, two areas further along the A308 towards Windsor, where another, a greater number of houses were to be built. So we think that the traffic arising from new houses has the potential, in fact, I'm sure it will produce more vehicular pollution. And we don't like the idea of vehicular pollution affecting our residents, especially children walking to school. And also near the area of the 100 houses close to the Thames Hospice, there is already an air quality management area where there's a sensor there to detect the amount of pollution present. And then we've already got in excess of what's uh, wanted in that area. And now we're going to add more traffic to it. Have so that's... Di- hmm? Have you discussed with RBWM your objections in the past? And if you have, how did they respond? Uh, objections? Well, when you make objections to a, a local plan you don't actually get any response. They will either incorporate what you've suggested in the plan or not, but they don't tell you that they're going to do it or that they have done it or they don't, and they don't thank you for it. And as far as I know, they've never incorporated any of my suggestions in a a local plan. So there's definitely no justification as to why they include or discard comments to the validly made by residents? Uh, no, they never they never go into that sort of process. So that might question the validity of, of the exercise as a consultation, I expect. Yeah, well, they, they, they might argue that whatever people have said to them were, are just, is not worthy of being put in the plan. <laughs> that could be their response. Yeah. What do you think you could expect from RBWM, especially where comments have a large volume of people supporting them or are very validly made from a legal perspective? Oh, yeah, well, that's a good question. (laughs) For instance, um, the Bray Parish Council, they're a very uh, good uh, organisation and a great help to residents in this area. And they're certainly an organisation who should get some sort of response from the borough as to whether they like their comments or not. Again, I don't know. I don't know whether they've ever had any uh, responses from the borough. Um, If if you're the head of planning or the lead member for planning, uh, for example, Councillor Coffinger, perhaps you could get back to us and who is deserving of a right of a response or to justify whether or not their comments should or should not be included in your local plan. Please get back to us. Email me, wisdom at river.radio. What are your expectations? Well, it, well, I, my, the, the Hollyport Residents Association's comments to the plan will be submitted to them today. And we're asking that they should remove from the plan areas AL 21, 22, and 26. These are the three areas on the A308 
where they intend to release that green belt land for housing. And we, I, we hope that they will agree to remove those. Uh, the, one of the things about this plan is that the number of houses that uh, the borough has uh, written it to accommodate is quite a, a lot in excess of what government requires. And something that the borough have said about this is that they want to have a buffer, a buffer of houses in case in the future, whilst the plan is in process, because it, whilst the plan is valid up till 2030, during the period to 2030, it might transpire that some landowners decide not to build after all. So the borough wants to have a buffer of extra houses in place in case that happens. Well, but I think it's wrong that they should remove from Greenbelt areas which uh, which may not be necessary. For instance, the number of houses, well, I don't know, there's about 1,500 extra houses being included in, in this list at the moment. But in our, they're saying they're saying that we're going to remove three areas of green belt, which contain less than the number of excess houses, and this is in order to guarantee that they will be able to build that number of houses should some landowner decide not to release his land after all. Well, I think it's wrong that an area of green belt should have its green belt status removed just now, in case of uh, some lack of housing in the future. Now, how would you advise other residents? For example, Wokingham, residents in Wokingham, we're just going through the planning process. What advice mm. would you give to them in for getting involved with the local plan and helping to shape that local plan? They need to get a, a ground base of residents who are all of a similar mind and all against against this building. So they need to, I think, they need to establish a residence association. They should create a website for themselves. It can be done through, for instance, Weebly. I have to say that other, uh, other, other website manufacturers are available as well. Yes, there are other, others available as well. And you can usually do this free of charge, although you have to pay an annual fee for the website being hosted. So once you've created your website, you can invite people to join you. And you should, for instance, create a survey, make make a form with questions on it to assess people's views on, on development in the area and door-to-door and on your website. That's what we did in the Hollyport Residents Association some years ago. And from that, you can uh, create a database of what people's views are, and it gives you a justification for representing your your neighbour. You should then involve other organisations, such as the Campaign to Protect Rural England, that's CPRE, and people have heard of them probably. And uh, the London Greenbelt Council is another organisation that's useful for protection of Greenbelt. You might have to join these organisations to get them to help you, and that might involve a 
subscription being paid to them. You should uh, write letters to the local newspaper inviting membership of the Residents Association and you should study the the National Planning Policy Framework. That's a document that the government produces which uh, gives a lot of information about what they expect, what they expect local plans to include and so on. And uh, one part of that uh, document includes a section on Greenbelt, which is actually quite protective of Greenbelt. It has, it tells us this, for instance, that the Greenbelt serves five purposes. One is to check the unrestricted sprawl of large built-up areas. Another is to prevent neighbouring towns merging into one another. Another is to assist in safeguarding the countryside from encroachment. Also, to preserve the setting and special character of historic towns. And to assist in urban regeneration by encouraging the recycling of derelict and other urban land. So these are all uh, areas where you can use this concept that's expressed by the National Planning Policy Framework, the NPPF. You can use these to help you to object to areas of green belt being developed. Uh, you might also, if the area under threat is in a gap between settlements, you might be able to use that as a reason not to, not to develop. There are uh, planning applications in the past that have been refused uh, because uh, the area was in a gap between settlements. And... Uh, one of those is in a planning inspector decision decision in the case of west of College Road, South Aston Clinton. And you can search uh, on the planning inspector's website for the result of that. Uh, what else you can you can hmm. So once you've got a group of residents together, you're all singing from the same hymn sheet, you've got a clearer and cohesive idea of where you want development to happen, what areas to create, then you need to sort of, as you said, look at planning regulations, the National Planning Policy Framework, and frame, by the sound of it, your representations or objections in the language of that document. Is that right? That's right, that's right, because it's it's no good just uh, writing in a, a comment saying do you, you object to it without giving any reason. There has to be some valid uh, reason, preferably taken from the NPPF, to support your objection. Another thing, environmental pollution from vehicles is is a good point to use, to object, because the more houses that are built, the more vehicles will be produced and the more pollution will arise. And one thing you could do is refer to the the Ella Kissy Deborah case, where this girl was she died in London, and the coroner said her death was due in part, at least, to vehicular pollution. And the government, there's, you can find uh, websites, information about that. You can use that to help to object to extra vehicles. You can also refer to another case, the Pond Farm case. The CPRE helped the people who were objecting to Pond Farm. That was in in Kent, where an organisation wanted to build a lot of houses. 
And the CPRE helped uh, to get that stopped. And you can find a, a Court of Appeal report in the CPRE website about that. So these, these are the sort of things you can use to make objections. Andrew, thank you very much for appearing on our show. If people want to contact you to get more information and understand the process that you and the Hollyport Resident Association followed, how can they contact you? Well, you can go, <coughs> you can go to the, the Hollyport Residents Association website and in that uh, site there's a contact form it was actually designed for people who want to become members of the Holyport Residents Association, but you can use it to to put in a message to me and it, and it will reach me and then I'll respond. So the Holyport Residents Association, just search on the on Google, um, Holyport Residents Association, all one word, will find us. Brilliant. Andrew? We wish you every success with your representations to the inspector and in relation to Windsor and Maidenhead's local plan. Good luck with that and thank you for okay. appearing on our show. Okay, thank you very much, Wisdom. There you go. That was Andrew Cormie from the Hollyport Residents Association dealing with two issues. One is how to actually organise yourselves. If you want to help shape your future, you have to get involved with the writing of the local plan. So do that now. Talk to your neighbours. What do you want in your local area? Do you want things built? Do you want more green space? Get together and get involved. Contact your council. Find out when the local plan is being drafted. For example, in Wokingham, they're taking representations very shortly. So if you're not happy at Swallows Meadows, get involved. So we've come to the end of the show nearly. I'm going to play you out with a little bit of Daniel Beddingfield. And if you're not the one, one of our favourite songs. If you're not the one. Then why does my soul feel glad today? If you're not the one, then why does my hand fit yours this way? If you are not mine, then why does your heart return my call? If you are not mine, would I have the strength to stand at all? Brings, but I know you're here with me now We'll make it through And I hope you are the one I share There we go. That was Daniel Beddingfield. Sorry to cut you short, Daniel. You've been listening to Wisdom DeCostro and Politically Correct on River Radio. Join us again next week. Same time, same place for another fantastic show. And don't forget, if you don't, who will? Across the Thames Valley. One more time. Across the Thames Valley. This, this is River Radio. Well, now for some pop music. Try this.